What is this behavior? Do you want it? You're dying for it. Hello, guten tag, uh, hello. I couldn't think of another language. I just changed the accent to what I think my uncle sounds like these days. But hello, welcome, I think, to another episode of What Is This Behaviour podcast, a show where three South Asian creatives currently based in London speak to other South Asian people all around the world who are going against the grain in order to redefine what it means to be a South Asian in this day and age and hopefully that will lead to if i was to add another layer new stories of possibility for us lot when i say us lot us older lot over the age of 25 i would say is the older lot and the younger lot new stories of possibility for everyone basically um whether or not you're actually south asian so i know we've got some listeners that aren't south asian and thank you very much for coming on the ride okay if you are new to the podcast welcome to the ride my name's Ruben Christian. My co-hosts are my brother Aaron Christian and Almas Badat. I, Ruben, work as an edutainer at this intersection in between education and entertainment. Come from a presenting and comedy background and now working in spaces that use some of those skills to create things that move culture forward. Aaron is a filmmaker and Almas is an artist, a DJ and all-round creative polymath. Now, our guest for this episode is an amazing human being and honestly yeah and i'm not just saying this but this is i think what one of my most like this is this is one of my best episodes man he goes by the name of mohammed kazelbash and he's worked his way through an industry starting from music journalism and he is now the head of concert publicity at live nation and i just want to give him a round of applause because that sounds like one hell of a journey, especially if you're a South Asian person in a predominantly white industry. And the conversation between us, ah, oh, we covered it all, man. We covered representation within the industry. We covered some of his stories of like VIP backstage living. We, we learned the difference between marketing and PR. And we even kind of touched on what we think the future of large-scale live events would be like, especially when a lot of us might have anxiety around being around being with so many people in massive concerts and whatnot. And also, if you stay towards the end and you're a performing artist yourself, there's some great tips for anyone that is waiting to step back into the world as a performer, especially after this like one year of incubation, if you want to call it that, in lockdown. So... Yeah, that's some of what we chat about. Mohammed's a great soul. You're going to enjoy the energy. Let's run it. What is this behavior? This is, by the way, really like, this is really surreal for me because I feel like I know you guys so well. You guys come to the supermarket with me. You come on like oh, walks. It's very nice. Yeah. Where have you taken us? Where have you taken us, Mo? I mean, sometimes like, you know, when we're doing a bit of work in the kitchen, um, yeah. you know, nowhere, nowhere, <laughs> non PC. It's not, it's not got to that place. But, um, yeah. Yeah. No familiar voices, that, which is always good. That's nice. I mean, I don't think there is a, a non PC place. I think we try to be quite a radical yeah. collective. So <laughs> there'll be no, there'll be no judgment and nothing but embrace to be honest. 
Oh, that's wicked. Yeah, that'll be right up Ruben's. That's part of Ruben's <laughs> next workshop, I think it is. Workshop, <laughs> workshopping it in the toilet or something. I don't know. Yeah, man. <laughs> Let's keep breaking those boundaries. But thank you so much, Mo, for uh, for coming on the show. No, thank you for having me. And Mohammed, you did say before um, we rescued, or Amas rescued us from cyberspace before she was in the room, you said it's okay for us to call you Mo as opposed to Mohammed. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with either or. Okay, nice. Um, I mean, I'll I'll start the conversation. I think by saying a big thank you to you for sure. regularly listening to the show. I think anytime we hear that anyone's tuned in quite regularly, uh, we're more than to two chat. episodes. We're yeah, more than. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, so thanks for that. And um, even in our email conversation. Um, just to say that you're a fan as well. Like, ah, man, I honestly love hearing that to a point no, where no. we like screenshot stuff. Honestly, like, we'll and, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on this, but like, I love it. First of all, like, I'm super humbled to be on here because you guys have had superb like guests before, and I think they're all amazing. And I'm, I'm still getting over kind of all the laughing and the creases I've been doing with with DJ One. <laughs> He's really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, I think, like, it's so important to have stuff like this. You know, when I was coming up in the industry, like, I had no reference points for people who mm. looked similar to me that that shared kind of my culture or maybe a community. Like, I had none of this. So I think it's so important that this type of work continues and kind of showcases many platforms for many people. And I think it's great. It's such a great great thing you guys are doing and and long may it continue yeah i i, I so appreciate kind. that yeah thank you and for context mohammed what is it what industry are you talking about so i'm talking about uh well i work in pr so public relations publicity and communications but um my kind of discipline as it were as i work in the music business um I work for Live Nation, which, for those who don't know, is one of the world's largest concert promoters and live events promoters globally. Um, there was a saying, Jeez. I think, about last year before, <laughs> we were all hit, before we were all hit by the pandemic. I think every 20 minutes around the world, there is a Live Nation event happening. Wow. Wow. I can guarantee all of you guys, you've definitely been at a Live Nation show. You've definitely a fan of a Live Nation artist. Wow. So it's a fantastic mm. place to work. And you know, it's, it's, um, you got to come with a certain energy to work for companies like that. So it's, it's always mm. great. What kind of energy do you have to come with? I think, you know what? I think when people think of the music business, right, they think it's very glitz. Mm. They think it's very glamour. They think it's, you know, <laughs> all these amazing corporate offices and stuff. And here's the thing. It can be like that in the music business. Like my background has not always been live music, but it's been kind of working album campaigns and stuff. But I think when you work in live, the pace is so much faster. You know, we have a saying in the office, like, scream and we'll go faster. Like, literally, it's it, it can be a lot. Um, yeah. You also have to enjoy it. You have to really have a passion for what you do. If you want to really kind of make it and enjoy your job in this industry, mm. you've got to really love the, not necessarily the perks, but like the few moments of insanity that you get thrown with every day, which is always quite fun. Um, every day. Insanity yeah, every day. I think. Look, <laughs> I think anyone sounds like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, not me. Like a Tuesday. 
But I think we all meet really interesting and unique people and are put in very mm. odd circumstances on a daily, right? Like no matter what you do. So I think if you've, you've got, if you come to the table with an energy being like, yep, like I'm going to be fluid, flexible, all these kind of things and roll with it and kind of, you know, take it in your stride, then yeah, the world's mm. your oyster. I can imagine. I, I can imagine that that ability to be fluid within the ongoing chaos of the music industry was something you learnt hands on. Yeah, I think like, I think look, I think with, I guess a bit of background about me, I think that's probably a good place to start. Is that yep. I started out as like an intern at Sony Music back in the day when you weren't paid to do internships or summer long, but. Um, yeah. I kind of did that and I worked in like a communications department. I always really wanted to work in PR. I kind of knew that from a really young age, knew I wanted to work in some sort of like media journalism, but wanted to be a bit like behind the scenes and work mm. with artists and talent and, and whatever it may be. Um, and we and, and when I got into that, it's like you do. It's a lot of on the job learning. It's a lot of, you know, every experience is another string to your bow. But also, I do think that, I don't know, I think like, and there's a lot of people that may disagree. I think, you know, whereas if you work with marketing, marketing's a bit more of a science, right? It's like, it's very mm. method. It's Cal very melodical. A bit more calculated, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. But I think with PR, and, I, I, and I'm sure I'm going to offend a lot of people that work in marketing and advertising, it's, <laughs> really, it's yeah. truly an art. Like, you can't, I don't think you can teach that kind of eye for detail or that kind of mm. passion or the thrill you get when you see one of your artists or a client or someone you work with make the news cycle or do something amazing. You know, I think PR is just a lot more than just, you know, getting someone on a lovely magazine cover and, you know, mm. be done with it, you know? You, you see those skills you're referring to, are those, are those teachable skills or are they kind of, I don't know, are they, is it, like a talent is it is it something that's kind of someone will always have within them or they either don't i think i think oh that's a good question i personally think there are some skills that you cannot teach right you can't teach someone to have a you know high tolerance level of you know, <laughs> yeah. like you can't like you either got it or you don't and and you actually see a lot of people drop out of the PR industry or the PR discipline or they they end they finish mm. working in comms because they it's just not for them and and that's totally okay I think um so I do think there's a lot of it that can't be taught with PR I think the passion which is such an important part like for you to actually really love consuming news and knowing everything that's happening in your space and and kind of being the newsroom as it were for wherever you work because that's where that's that's how you're placed when you work in PR you you should be the know-it-all mm. in the business um mm. is isn't something you can teach and you either really love it like you know would I go and do PR for in the pharmaceutical world or tech probably not but there's probably <laughs> equally people who love their tech and love that world and would thrive working in a you know comms position there so um, I don't think all of it can be taught. Obviously, there's stuff that can be taught, but I'm just saying. If I think you know, you've got to really, got to really love it. And I think you can nurture certain skills or certain habits at a certain age when you're kind of coming up in all of this. 
I okay. So I've got a couple of questions. So let's rewind. Yeah. You said you've always wanted to work in PR, or there was a pull towards it. Yeah. Have you ever worked out what the pull was? Like you said, you wanted to work in it, but slightly behind the scenes. Yeah, was there so a reason? Was it the energy or the perceived energy of the industry? So or how rich yeah. it is? I mean, I'm going to give you like the story I tell everyone, and then I'm going to give you the reality. So the story right, I yeah. tell everyone was like. When I was in high school in like sixth form, I worked in my uncle's news agent. So I used to actually love, and this is not, this bit's not a lie, right? I used to love reading all like the really cool supplements and because I used to do nothing. Like I was probably the worst employee he's ever had. Like, <laughs> literally just turn That's up it, Get that money, Mo. Get yeah. It. And like pick up a free Kit Kat, sit there, open a Daily Mail, open a Guardian, just like consume loads of news because it used to be so dead in there. <laughs> um, and I used to just really love like reading like features. I used to sit there and read them all the time. And like, this is really cool. I'd love, I'd wonder how like this kind of comes into place. Mm. And then I guess the harsh reality of it, which I'm not ashamed to say, you know, I grew up watching like The Hills and like things like that on MTV that painted like the music mm. industry as this amazing, fun place to work. <laughs> and like everyone wanted to either be like Heidi or Adrina or like Lauren or whatnot working in some sort of great place in LA. And I think that's kind of what drove me to it. So yeah, yeah. I think like every person starting out in the music industry, I stupidly wrote to every single yeah. director or every single like head of a record company asking for my big break and um <laughs> your big break before you even get in it's mad. Yeah, it? exactly. And <laughs> yeah. you know what? And like the balls you have at that stage is so wild like just like looking back at it now I'm like I would definitely not be communicating to the people I was trying to communicate <laughs> and like yeah. I'd be mortified if they ever married the two up like hold on yeah. this guy 10 years yeah. ago what was he doing but um I've actually you not really think funny that's story. part of the secret do you not think that's part of the secret though in a way like to actually because you get a blight because of the age but if you didn't have that naivety and and Maybe I'm I'm speaking on Almas and Ruben's behalf, but I'm sure we've all kind of had that crazy <laughs> naivety. Yeah. Like, Fuck it. I'm just going to reach out. And that mm. is that not part of that journey? Like, it's yeah, totally. Like, part? I think you always need gumption, right? And like what I was going to say was I had someone that used to work in my team at Live Nation who, for their benefit and embarrassment, I won't mention their name. But that person, when they were trying to break <laughs> through they broke in to a record company they managed wow. to get through all the office like they lied i have an appointment <laughs> with this person at the and some like they believed him and he got into the chairman's <laughs> office and gave him the pit like this is why you need to hire me and i'm like do you know what i'm glad you didn't do that here because you would have been escorted out of the building but um that's like i think that's the thing isn't it like i think music is such an interesting space to work in that people are really willing to kind of give it their all and get their foot in the door and really want to see what you know what behind the curtain is like albeit if you find it a disappointment or whether you find it a thrill you know mm. I mean Almas I would say I mean I'll say this loosely but I would say you're part of the music industry would you say mm. that's a true statement yeah yeah oh, okay. why not Okay, yeah. let's, let's, let's run with it. Oh, you're creating an alternative yeah, yeah, industry yeah. No, in the I outside. Am. You're in no, it, no, right? No, no, no. I'm, I'm in it. I'm about it. I'm around it. I'm, she's the yeah, mover and shaker. Yeah, <laughs> I am a mover she's, and shaker. She's clearly out here. How do you, like, what was your pull, if there was any, towards that world? In Into the music world? Yeah. Um... 
You know, I think it's one of those things where, for me, moving into music, I didn't realise I was in music until I was in music, until, you know, it was like, oh, I'm actually, like, doing stuff. And so what that what I mean to say by that is it was quite a natural uh, movement. And by the time I've entered music world, I've moved through photography and writing and journalism and film. And so... Mm. Um, my connection to music was actually film. And when I, when I was editing film, I'd be, I was always amazed um, about how film was totally led by the audio. So I noticed that because a lot of my stuff was self-taught, right? So I'd sit down, I'd open up Premiere Pro or Final Cut Pro, whatever it was that I was using to edit. And the first thing I'd do was lay down the sound. And, mm -hmm. um, I was like, wow, like everything is, even though the output is something visual, the first thing that I'm always being guided by is the sound. So I started to just use my ears differently. And before that, and even even now sometimes, like my friends will say, oh, can you hear that? Can you hear that bit in a track? And I can't hear it. And I wanted to listen to music actively. I wanted to experience audio in um, a multidimensional way. And so... Um, music was also a fear point for me. Um, I didn't grow up listening to music in a Muslim household. We didn't have access readily anyway. Mm. And so a lot of the times, like I was a bit like, oh, I don't really know how to interact with this world. And then I just started experimenting. And um, what, I, was, I was mixing once in my room and I was mixing some Afrobeat for some Bhangra. And I was like, just taken <laughs> away with it. like, Bhangra it beats, was mad. Bro. Yeah, it was crazy because I was like, oh my gosh, like these genres like are made for each other in terms of how well they slot into each other when you're mixing. Mm -hmm. And it was really emotional for me because I was like, oh my gosh, I can go to a party that my friends are going to, that my friends currently are going to, and I can bring a bit of myself if I wanted to. And it kind of, it almost gave me permission, you know, I gave myself permission. And so... Yeah, I'm I'm in music and when I look back I've always been working in music but not necessarily with music itself. I was mm. always taking pictures or making films or doing write-ups. I was at events, I would be booking people, curating music events, all of that stuff. So I didn't really mm. it wasn't like a massive like jump, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was always in and around it. Um as as my very um aptly put, I was I'm a mover and shaker. <laughs> um, but I love it. Like, I just, I just respect music as yeah. an art form. I think it's one of like the most, you know, like music can like pierce you. Yeah, you know, it can mm. make you stop in a way that like just other art forms might not. You know. Mm. Yeah, man. That's so funny. So and I guess that's like the that's the beauty of the industry, right? It's like you don't have to be working with the finished project product as mm -hmm, it were right mm -hmm. you don't need to actually be in the studio recording or being the artist like there is so many art forms that take place in that ecosystem as a result of the first piece of art right from like you know totally. like you said photography like developing an artist's image and brand and then right down to like the live element and what their set looks like and what the stage light like all these mm -hmm. things and I think people actually forget like there are massive industries that thrive off you know the single function of music as an art form like mm. there are people paid the there is like yeah. there are like catering companies guys that literally live off going yeah. on tour with an artist like 
so much so like i yeah. have a brother-in-law whose father owns a dry cleaner in wembley and dry cleaners in wembley and he lives off like all the massive tours that come into that wow. stadium because it's like oh, when, when a they big artist in. comes and like their seamstress needs something dry oh, clean like wow. they need a trusted pair of hands and he's made a business out of that which is fantastic yeah there's so, so much true. support so businesses strands. around different industries isn't there yeah 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 it, it's so true um, like, um, oh, we're all popping off <laughs> going, um, <laughs> I, I no, took the first breath go on Amos. <laughs> um, I was gonna go I was gonna go completely um um, existential in yeah yeah I was <laughs> well I was just gonna oh like Buckle I started off yeah, <laughs> when I started thinking about live nation yeah like I just think when I close my eyes it's even the name I'm like I just think of like stadium and I think yeah. like it just takes me back to like like some of the greatest concerts I've been to like watch the throne for example like yeah. it just makes me think about that scale like you're saying Wembley I'm thinking like O2 I'm like in my yeah. head I've got like um Elton John on stage somewhere like you know just big scale yeah. like yeah. artists and spaces um and my question was simply gonna be what is your best memory of a concert oh my god I mean I think I'm <laughs> <laughs> I think look, I'm very, very, very fortunate. I'm one of the few fortunate people that get to really experience all sorts of live music and different mm. genres and different artists. And I have to say, oh, I don't know. It's such a hard question. Okay, two. Two or three. Yeah, <laughs> right, do two, three. Do three. Okay. Just give or us do the three moments. countdown. <laughs> three. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, watching for me, I love like I went through this phase like in my mid twenties, like rediscovering big anthemic 80s music and being really obsessed with like mm. bands <laughs> like yes. Fleetwood Mac and like stuff like that so I, I oh, was yeah. really lucky enough to see Fleetwood Mac in no um, Madison Square oh. Garden which was amazing like what? beautiful venue and, like, and that's a, that's you at work that's a day at yeah, work yeah this is the mad thing it's like that's, this is what we do for <laughs> a living guys <laughs> um but no, wow. I, I, yeah. And then I think like I've got this great like kind of story, which I can't for some reasons can't tell you the artist, but I'm with said artist, A-lister <laughs> artist. She's massive and everyone will know all of her hits. Um, Brianna. And I remember, no, keep Stop Madonna. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I'm being a dick. <laughs> but um, Celine get him sacked. <laughs> get him sacked. <laughs> but sorry. I remember talking to the artist manager backstage at the show I think we were midway through the show and she's like do you want to come with me but you're gonna to have to hold my purse so I'm like I'm looking at her like all sorts of crazy and we're actually really good friends now so shout out to Layla she's an amazing manager and she, she's wicked I'm holding her purse thinking like where is she taking me like I've ordered my uber I'm ready to go home and now we've wheeled uh, without uh, like any like knowledge of my own like we've got we're, we're wheeling this flight case down the center path of like inside the O2 arena. So there's fans going nuts either side. We like lunatics are wheeling this flight case, probably people thinking, <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. And then they open the flight case and out comes the artist. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> what the hell? Like, how? <laughs> I was like, what? is that how you? Damn. And I'm like, and you know what? It that literally hits me like, that is how you get from stage A to stage B is you get your manager <laughs> to wheel you out in a flight case. Uh... But I think Shit. I think for me, like here's the thing: I'm a massive '90s R&B head, and I think oh, R&B is great, and everyone yeah. needs to continue and support R&B. Um, 
Mariah at the Royal Albert Hall. Like, there's no oh, better wow. place to see her. She's wicked. Her voice is fantastic. And it was just, it's such a wonderful venue. So if you ever get to see anything there, it's it's definitely worth it. I've played there. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what, at the Royal Albert Hall? Yeah, I played, at the, I played the violin at the Royal Albert Hall when I was younger as part of a massive oh, orchestra, but I don't oh talk about it. Oh my God, that's it. incredible. Could have, should have got in and out in your violin case. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh my God, I'm around the right <laughs> size. You know what, Mo? What's that... your... Ruben, no, I was just going to ask, like, first of all, Mo, those stories are amazing. So yeah. let's not... You moved swiftly on from <laughs> yeah, the we're coming back to that story. Mate. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still digesting. I did not expect that. But Ruben and Aaron, I was going to ask you what your favourite concert moments or memories are as well. Oh, that's a great question. I think two come up. Yeah, two come up for me. Um, Music Soul Child in Shepherd's Bush Mm. back in the day. I was a massive fan, still am, going like just a nod back to to 90s Um, Mm R&B. But then also Omar live um, in a a smaller venue in Shepherd's Bush. But I've been a massive fan of Omar's um, work from day. I can imagine Omar live in an intimate space. Such a vibe, man. Such a vibe. Dope. Aaron, what about you? Me, you know what, Mo, you may not like me after this, but like, <laughs> I've always had a, I've always had, had a very funny relationship with music in general. Like, um, I'm always in awe of it, but it's, I've never been like, I don't know, I've, I've always kind of been a bit skeptical about the industry. But firstly, to answer your question, Almas, it's always the smaller, smaller intimate venues because I'm not yeah. a massive like big festival like ruben ruben can kind of testify to this like when he's like come come it's gonna be dope come to this festival i'm like oh, it's gonna be too many people no mm-hmm. like <laughs> that that vibe just i don't know and ruben's been trying to p- convince me for like 30 years to keep coming to it to all of these things but um so yeah <laughs> the, the smaller venues i think is just i've always i've always appreciated i think one yeah. was um joe just because he played like every fucking Sick. instrument um, in Jazz Cafe. <laughs> um, mm. And then Amy Winehouse, uh, oh, one wow, of the last performances in Shepherd's Bush. Wow. Um, just just because of her pure, just her vocal fucking badassness, basically. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So There's those, something those... different about seeing an artist live, isn't it? Like the energy that you get is nuts. I'm, I'm always think... under so much anxiety, though, when I go to these venues, man. Because I think it's just like... Just because of the amount of people. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe I have trauma. I don't know, because when I used to go with my ex, she used to to run to the front. And this is like specifically Jazz Cafe. Um, And I'm like, I'm standing there for four hours, can't go to piss, whatever, just to get close. (laughs) Rather than actually go to a venue where I'm comfortable and actually embracing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just my trauma. Use the beer cup. We're not not going to endorse that. No, we're not endorsing that kind of behavior, guys. All right, sorry. I mean, I'm (laughs) just thinking. I'm just problem solving on the fly here for my brother. No one wants. No one wants (laughs) that. No one wants to be leaving a venue with a very fragrant smell. You know, amongst all those. We're not about. I do hear you though. I do think there was a time in my life when I um when I stopped like rushing to the front and was like I'm just gonna chill I'm gonna get yeah. a seated ticket like I want to yeah. enjoy the artist and that was fun too and then the mm. smaller ones are wicked too like having having been in a space with an artist performing like a few feet in front of you is also wild mm. like as you know as much as scale is impressive but being in a small space as well is also really really nice. 
Yeah, mm. maybe it's just it's the way it's the way I kind of experience that I have a specific way of enjoying music. I th- I yeah. think the I think the sound also live is just so much different, right? I think so many if you're a real fan mm. of an artist, you love hearing or you don't love hearing the alternative arrangements and stuff like I'm always so True. fascinated like when I'm on YouTube and you go through those kind of rabbit holes of like craziness down YouTube, but like there are fans out there that will come up with like live arrangements and piece together an audio of a tour that doesn't exist or like we have it like whenever one of our artists play the super bowl like a month out i love the way you just said that that's so sick one of our (laughs) artists play the super like (laughs) there are like there are fans that will go and create concepts and actually go to the like hassle and the like have the creativity and the time and the energy to actually like find live versions of different tracks and like kind of mm. piece them together and you're like oh my god this is like quite better than the actual thing but it's really it's really interesting yeah that's that's the creativity yeah it's just peak though isn't it that's where you just sit back and go shit you guys <laughs> you guys yeah. are mad creative um mm. Mo, i i kind of wanted to have a question about what you do like your kind of day-to-day kind of work in the industry how how do you personally measure like your impact and like what actually provides what what specific thing provides meaning for you when when you're doing your job yeah i think that comes in different like it comes in different shapes and forms right there are so many kind of communication challenges or pr briefs that that need to be met i mean my day to day is is very much overseeing pr strategy and the implementation of strategy across our artists that are touring, our special events, you know, a few festivals that fall under our remit, but it varies. It varies from, you know, trying to get an artist onto a daytime talk show, pulling together a press junket. We might be pulling together a influencer press trip out to the States that we're going to take some media to see a show so they can talk about it before the show comes into the market. Um, it could be like, you know, planning a PR stunt. It's really varied. And then there's also kind of, you know, internal and corporate comms that we kind of look after as well and, and kind of the behind the scenes elements as well. But we're kind of like notoriously known, the depart like the PR department as like the master of dark arts. So like if ever like, <laughs> you know, something yeah. needs to go missing or someone needs to be oh somewhere in God. a certain amount of time, like it happens, which is really fun. And it's like, mm. that's, that's like the thrill of it, right? You never know when our like desk phone or our department phone rings, you just have no idea like what's going to be on the other side of that oh, call, which is really side. good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you got to, And I think like I think anyone who works in communications and PR like can really relate. And also that doesn't mean it comes with some of its challenges as well. Like the other day I read there was this article on like PR week or something like that, where like PR for a seventh year consistently has been like the most stressful job after being a fire firefighter. So it's just like, oh, wow. I don't know. Gosh. I just also feel like PR people are a little bit dramatic as well. So it could just be a lot <laughs> like when they were doing the survey. But um, yeah, I think that's my day to day. It just really yeah. it varies. And I think that's what keeps it really interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that must be an added level of stretch being in PR and then live music with the pandemic. Yeah. Like fucking hell. I guess that's a whole that's a whole different story, right? It is. I mm. think, look, there's it's been a challenging year for all creative industries you know i think we 
but surely you guys a lot more like that's like like explain how, how have you guys even been getting by this last year i think for us it's like the most important thing is that the fans continue to want to see live events which is which is a great thing mm. our artists still really want to tour and get out there and connect with their fans and and whatnot and so i think it's that need and that drive and that kind of you know knowing that the fan community the community that love going to live events are still there and ready and waiting yeah. and in the meantime mm. there's been creative ways that artists have serviced perhaps that gap in the market where there's not been live events for this year mm. um but we've been waiting and, and working you know with the government at all sorts of levels to make sure that events mm. can return this year safely which is the most important thing um that's amazing and we're looking forward to it i mean like, i can't wait to like be in mm. an arena be in a field like whatever and just kind of be around good music and i know this is actually like mm. for a lot of artists having so much time in lockdown i think with any artist actually whether you are you know a musician whether you're a painter or whatnot it's a great incubation period for you to kind of yeah either generate okay. some really good content and really good stuff or for some people have a have a well-deserved break you know because some the touring circuit yeah. can be hard mm. I think we're all ready to get back into. <laughs> oh yeah, one hundred percent. I'm not asking I'm not for an extension. The reason why, I, yeah, the reason why I'm quiet is because I'm just like imagining. I'm just like, oh my god, if I had known the last time I'd gone into like a, I don't even know, like a electric ballroom, yeah. <laughs> like you oh know, just like god. a random place, how much more um, appreciative I think I'd be. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I mean, man. I'm I'm even like appreciative the last time I went to like Pret. Like even like things like that. Yeah, no, for real. Really yeah, I get fun. dressed want... up to get bread. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so do I. Put, I got Asda perfect, like fully garmed out. Put aftershave on for Zoom. Jesus. Yeah, I put on I put on perfume. I was hosting an IG live a few weeks ago and I put on perfume for it. I was like, I'm about to feel mm. like I'm stepping out. I'm sorry. But surely that though, that is like the next level. level. That's like the next yeah. stage of like virtual life is like being able to smell oh, no. one another through the computer. Oh God. Oh <laughs> <Yeah>. my God. <laughs> Can so, you imagine? Well done, Alma. Alma is pioneering that, pioneering that movement. <laughs> 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 Alma pioneering. Like, getting smell across you along the your digital mic, yeah. <laughs> Sending Mike along with fresh mints. That's what we need to do. That's, that's the first brand partnership. <laughs> that, that's bad. No, like I've, I've read a lot about like, like we spoke to um, a photographer on by the name of Cabs and he was talking about um, the wedding industry and how we take photos in live events where they would literally be sectioned off in cars. Um, and I've seen a few like live events and festivals kind of take place during, I don't know if it was lockdown two, but like where things were like spaced apart and there was barriers and separators between groups of attendees. Yeah. Like, have you been to any of those um, was there talks around more of that happening or are we just I trying to get back to being next to each other? So here's the thing. I personally have never been to one of those events, so I can't give a honest experience about it. But I'm sure those who went probably had a very different but still a great time. Mm -hmm. I think the focus for us has always been trying to get back to a full capacity kind of, you know, situation where everyone can come back to great gigs and everything of how they're meant to be. Um, yeah, 
you've got to remember the customer experience is really important. The fan experience is so important. The artist doesn't want the fan experience ruined. We don't want the fan experience ruined. And, you know, that is gold. You know, these are for, you know, for anyone, you know, all of us for that one hour at a concert, all of a sudden in that space and time, all your problems are kind of vanished. You're, yeah. you're euphoric. You're in a different world. So you'd want to make sure that experience is mirrored to how we'd left it. So I think like, audiences are going to come back with a different energy so we're just really looking forward to that for sure yeah are you guys anticipating like a bit of a transitional period where it will take a little while for people to gain the confidence to feel normal again in such crowds the reason i ask is i've been reading and just consuming a bit like stories from behavioral psychologists that are literally looking at society and saying there's going to be psychological and emotional residue due to being in lockdown for a year. And how is that going to play out? And what they were saying is like, um, yeah, big spaces is going to be one of them. It doesn't mean we won't get past that, but there's going to be this transitional period. So have you guys been thinking about how you might anticipate something like that? I think like I think the confidence is already there, right? As in, oh. we've seen a number of. Sorry, can you hear me? Yep. I would think the confidence is already there, right? We've seen a number of festivals and tours be announced this year for you know shows that are taking place in August and events that are taking place in September. Mm. So I think those are really strong signals for us and everyone in that business and that and that industry, especially to kind of know that mm. the fans are ready to come back you know, the artists are ready to come back. And, you know, if we're putting up a brand new Wembley Stadium show, if, if a new festival is being announced, if a new outdoor summer concert series is is, is launching, I think that's very telling of mm. of the space, you know, and they're they're selling, you know, they're 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 flying out and they're doing really well. Mm. I'm personally so excited because I had one of my first DJ gigs the week before um the lockdown was announced. And so, like, I'd played a l over the years, but I was sort of gearing up to be like, right, this summer, as in 2020, I'm going to be playing out. And then yeah. everything got locked down. And so so I'm just been, I've just been doing loads of music stuff at home. And then now I'm just so ready to mm. just feel that energy because there's no other feeling like it, I think, like in a live environment where you're getting the response straight yeah. away. It's very, it was in all my practices it's there's nothing else like you play a song and someone immediately comes up to you and is like that was amazing yeah definitely. and like you know you make films and then you'd wait for like months for example and then it comes out and then you have like a press release and blah blah, blah like all the, or press junket rather um but with music like you know when you see an artist like shout and then like the crowd shouts back and you're just like what is that like synergy you know yeah. like the energy and the call and response of it all I love it. Um, Mo, did you start off, you said that you were working in a, you started off as an, in a, as an intern, right? Um, when you were in this time period, what was it like looking for, looking for work in the creative fields as a South Asian person? I think like, so yeah, I started out at Sony Music and I think I mm. had tried and tried and tried for like, a good part of a year and like at that point like when you're at uni you you're sold all sorts of dreams right like these options mm -hmm. and those options and, and all that other kind of stuff 
and at like a, at some points I was like oh is this even really gonna happen like is music just a pipeline dream like working in the music business and whatnot so when I eventually got my foot in the door at Sony and kind of was an intern and I worked in the corporate comms department and a division called industry relations so it was like yes I'm here but like now where do I go because at some point this internship's gonna come to an end and I think yeah finding employment was really really hard like you have to hustle your way in somewhere and you have to like have really good like LinkedIn stalker skills or like (laughs) you know but like really like actual politicking skills like how to find someone who is the gatekeeper to your next opportunity or who's gonna kind of bring you up with you and it's such a like it's such a hard skill and actually like a real reality check when you're in like your late teens or like you know very early 20s to kind of all digest that and figure out the world whilst like I don't want to say carrying the burden, but like having your culture as well. Like, unfortunately, I think back then ne- didn't necessarily worked, you know, in your in your favor. You know, I can put my hand on my heart and say, you know, some of the places I've worked with in the past, like I didn't overtly feel comfortable. I, I felt like, you know, I wasn't allowed to be my true self in 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 some ways and i think that's that's the beauty of hindsight right you look back and you're like oh okay like you know you're young and you do things to adapt and make yourself seem more you know appealable and likable and whatnot Mm. in a space at the time that was predominantly white you know i can probably still count on my both my hands the number of south asian publicists that are actively working in the music business you know and that's 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 how it is still 100 percent well why do you think that do you think that oh (laughs) i don't know i mean i think look pr is not a traditional route (laughs) that's shown to many people (laughs) as an option Mm. and like my mum and dad were heartbroken when i told them i was doing a degree in pr they thought i was public relations they thought it was customer service and i'm like no 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 no, no, that's not what it is but and also I think I think with communications and PR and even the world of like marketing advertising it's so like you got to be really in it to know what it is and it's quite mm. hard to explain that to certain yeah, generations and and yeah, yeah exactly and you got to remember like my pet my dad is like 84 now right like he came to the UK in 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 the 60s so it's like his idea of like what a professional career is is like yeah. a result of his environment you know and, yeah. and that's not that's not his fault that's just what he was conditioned to think and I think that also gave me a bit more drive and a bit more hunger because I'm like okay well like I'm not I'm not gonna say I wasn't supported my parents are 100% supportive but like I'm going against the grain here a bit like I can't mess this up you know mm. um so I guess it's it's hard like I and and it's really interesting because talking about not being able to be your true self and stuff I think like also being a Muslim as well and working in the music business has its own kind of set of challenges another layer isn't it yeah well yeah and also like even like when you guys ask like oh do you prefer like being called Mo or Mohammed and like I remember many years ago like walking into like the head I worked at an agency and I was called in for like a meeting with like the boss and she was like oh is it Mo or Mohammed? And I, before I said anything, I think she said to me, I prefer Mo. And I was like, really? And I was like, but like, you know what guys, but when you're 21, you don't think like, yeah, you no, don't no. think that deeply about it. Right. 
No, we're and gasping I, now in it, but I know. Obviously, yeah. all of us like you know woken awake now. But like low, like you know back then, I was like, You're like yeah, yeah, sure, Mo's fine. Yeah, call me Ben. You don't have any allies that when you're at that age, and especially when it's so new. So yeah, you're, you're strategically and knowing also which cards I, to play. We're only naming microaggressions now as well. Like we didn't yeah. know when we were first experiencing them. I think we felt maybe uncomfortable or maybe we felt like it was new or whatever, yeah. but it wasn't like we, you couldn't always name it. I can't still mm. always name microaggressions. Yeah, it's really hard. So like, obviously like then I was just like, but you know, when you look back and you're like, oh shit, like that is not okay. And mm. I, I should have handled that differently. But you know, all those years on, like I own my name and I'm happy whichever way it's, it's said, you know, mm. and, Mm. I set the agenda for that, no one else. But yeah, I don't know, it's hard. And and even like, you know, classic, like, you know, Ramadan's coming up. So it's going to be like classic season of all the classic, you know, questions that are going to come out like, oh, can you have chewing gum? And can you like drink water? And all those like things where you're like, seriously, guys, did no one pay attention in <laughs> RE? Like, this is like insane. Yeah. I mm. think it's a lot better now, 100%. Like, I oh, don't have any of those issues now. But I think at the beginning of my career, it was very like, yeah, we I all had know. these different burdens to to break. And through, I don't know. We? And I and I wonder, like, I don't know if I look back and be like, oh, I wish I was a bit more kind of stronger and like, you know, took it on my shoulders that this is who I am, or whether I look back and like, well, if I didn't conform a little bit and if I didn't kind of, you know, play the game a bit a little bit, I wouldn't have got ahead. So I don't know. Mm. It's a, yeah, it's I think a, there's different there's different stages, isn't it? And uh, and I think like it's a testament that you managed to get where you are, and it's just appreciating that the rules are, are always constantly changing. But I think yeah. if you, yeah, I, I, like I think it's you probably did have to do that and to to make it a better environment and space for the next generation, which is I guess all of our sentiments here is why we do the pod. I think to, mm. and 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 that was going to lead me on to my next question, if I may, Ruben. Can I oh, no, I was just going to really quickly build on, on what you were saying there, Mo. I think, yeah, hindsight is is an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think when I was in therapy, unpacking like my first therapy journey, which was like 18 months, only then did I gain the awareness that, I, that I've been building on now. And now sometimes I look back on similar moments like that where I was like, with the awareness I have now, that would never happen or I would do this thing differently. Yeah. But I have to keep reminding myself and I have these conversations with so many people as well that sometimes beat themselves up for not doing what the, the current them would have done, which is a yeah. really mm. unfair way of, of like it, it's punishing yourself but we don't necessarily need to. So I've, I always, I'm always for like putting a kind, choosing kindness there man like we only had a certain level of awareness we done what we can to survive or maintain our i don't know our, our pride or our job or whatever it was and it's yeah. cool man. We, we just no, make a different decisions and now. also like i think we would all like look i'm like i'm very real with this like kind of topic like it is a wild expectation to have to think you're not going to come against up against that period like you yeah. will like and it's how you learn from it. It's how you can correct it. Like now, like when I'm building my team or like when I'm communicating with others outside the organization, it's a, it's an amazing, you know, thriving workplace to be. And like you create that environment, right? You are the author mm. of that narrative. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like, you know, it's also a bit of like learning, you know, you, you do so much learning in your like late teens, early twenties, like when, when you're at the beginning of your come up, right? Like it's, 
so many lessons learned but I don't know and I think also it's like a little bit like you have to make sure teams now are really diverse and have some sort of perspective and other people are thinking about you know what it what the journey is like for someone else in a working environment you know I do Mm. think it's not all on us I think it's all on everyone it's equal responsibility to create Mm. these places like it is and I even like I said at the beginning of the podcast like I really wish I had this podcast back when I was you know applying for jobs or like going through uni like these little tools and these little nuggets are so so important to actually show people that do you know what there is a fair shot for you in all of this Mm. and you Mm. don't have to be a certain color from a certain background to have certain wealth you know like I was really lucky like I was a I could afford to do an unpaid internship because I had a weekend job you know I had no social life for like mm. my summer but I knew what I was working towards yeah but not but everyone was... not everyone's that privileged not everyone yeah. has those opportunities yeah I couldn't take an internship because I couldn't afford to take it it was at Adidas but it was like it was amazing like I was like oh my gosh I'm, I could work there for like a month or two but then I remember emailing back to women like I really have to decline this not because I don't want to but because I literally cannot afford to come in five days a week yeah and not get and not have expenses or anything covered but it was really hard to say to to, I couldn't say yes but it was really hard to say no it's tough though I think obviously now employment laws have changed and it's like a great like you know internships are paid now and there's so much Mm -hmm. more like regulation but like you know it wasn't really that long ago when people were getting away with all sorts of like madness and like unfortunately like it is it's like people from our community like if you're black or asian like you want to give more because you're up against competition that have already been set up to be successful you know Mm. yeah well um what would you what would you say to anyone that was thinking of um creating some kind of resource or tool for the younger gen i would say like there needs to be like really clear like someone needs to tell you quite clearly like how much hard work goes into working in the music business working in any creative industry because i think there's a bit of a pipeline dream sold to people that this is what you can do and it's all creative and it's all fun and you're allowed to do this so you're allowed to do that like if you're a freelance photographer, you're gonna know how to. You got to know how to do your invoices. You got to know how you, to do your tax returns. Mm. You got to know how to book clients. Like, likewise with PR, you got to know your stuff. You can't go into a meeting and not have read any of the newspapers or turned on the telly. Like when I'm hiring for for our team, like that's one of the first questions I ask. Like, so what did you yeah. read in the papers today? And you'd be really shocked how many people just do not consume media but yet media. want to work in the space. And I'm like, that is that's nuts to me basics yeah Yeah. but also it's like I guess the argument is is that people consume media in different ways right and I was quite rightfully told once in an interview when I was interviewing someone who unfortunately didn't get the job but she was like I get all my news from the shade room and she was giving me the lowdown about all these things and I was like (laughs) like, we need to work with this person a lot more but um yeah I think I think everyone just needs a bit of like a reality or a glimpse into what's kind of the unglamorous side of things i guess isn't it yeah because look it can be for many people it can be champagne and you know all the other kind of stuff but you know it's a nine to five and you got to put in the work and everyone needs to deliver results you know it's so funny you say that i was listening so one of i only there's three two other podcasts other than this that i actually consume 
one of them is called um, No Film School. So it's an amazing podcast going on for about five, six years. Essentially yeah. a blog that talks about kind of DIY ways of becoming a filmmaker. So industry news and then kind of other news. And like one of the uh, one of the hosts is um, he's a teacher in New York Film School. Um, as well as a filmmaker and everything and he was like to be honest they were like the the syllabus should be scrapped because there's so many things on like becoming like the biggest executive producer which he was saying like there's more people in the american senate than there are big exec producers yeah. in america and he was like what's more useful is like how to fucking do your invoices and <laughs> like you said right like all of those kind of other skills that are around the that support the creative element of what that specific industry is which yeah. i feel is going to be more and more important nowadays as industries are starting to morph and and that kind of freelancer role is is going to be so much more prominent yeah 100 percent. i mean like look when i was at university we had all the theory stuff and the degree course was great and i guess and also i think with pr and creative industries they're in a different life cycle to everything else right we have only just so many areas of our industry have just professionally developed so hopefully all that kind of new structure new process new insight you know would come in like when i was at when i was at uni i'd full of like psychology teachers teaching us pr and i'm like that does not make sense like it does <laughs> like you haven't got someone who's actively from the industry teaching this course this is a while but mm. um, I think, look, like, I don't know, it's a really hard question about like kind of getting, giving someone the resource or the toolkit to get into the industry. I think your passion has to really lead you through. And those are some of like, some of the great like candidates or some amazing publicists that I really like look up to and really respect or that have mentored me have had really great passion and have been super organized, super blunt, super strategic, really shrewd. But it's their passion it's their love for the job that really kind of gets them through like if you were an artist or if you were an actor or if you were like you know whatever you don't want to be represented by like some sort of half-assed you know oh okay yeah like you know you want someone who's going to live and breathe what you do and kind of you know want to take you where you want to be hmm. yeah I, I agree I, I totally agree I've had like three different agents three or four maybe over the years and you can see there's such differences with with their yeah. intent and their energy and it's and it's sometimes it's hard to it's land on on the sorry on the i'm person. thinking out loud ribs <laughs> no. no that's all right like, oh yeah and yes and yeah that's <laughs> yeah, a great point literally in my head externally I'm processing while I'm, tr while I'm trying to like what? say something and express no yeah. land 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 do, do you know what i was gonna i was gonna ask mo was that that just led me on to another question at the moment because you because currently your job and correct me if i'm wrong here is head of publicity at live nation is that correct yeah yeah and you also mentioned that you guys have artists that you look after so yeah. in regards to what you do is it actually could you is are they two separate things or are they one in the same thing so I, I guess like the, to know the space better is Live Nation Entertainment own Ticketmaster. They own Live Nation concerts. There's um, a media and sponsorship division of Live Nation. And then there's Artist Nation as well. So there are Live Nation artists okay. that are managed by, you know, one of our the management of side partner companies like Rock Nation, like Maverick Management. Um, so, yeah, and so we've got kind of a very diverse incredibly diverse and amazing roster of, of artists that are doing all sorts of you know wild 
fun, crazy things and are doing their thing and making an impact in the world. So yeah. Okay. Right. And you help head you you either work with or head up some of the campaigns for those artists. Yeah, so it's it right. depends where they are in the life cycle. I mean like with live music, your campaign, the live music campaign typically kicks off towards or immersed within an album campaign so we work in tandem with a record company that is putting out the artists you know artists now like they come with an agent they come with a label they come with their mm. own pr person they come with you know and they'll have their fingers in so many different pies so it's like when they ca- come over to us it's navigating their live campaign and making sure that you know we're driving ultimately ticket sales but Mm. elevating the artist you know if we're working with a brand Mm. new act and they're playing bush hall we want to see them in shepherd's bush Mm. next year and then and we want to think that in three years time arena can be a discussion you know it's those kind of things as well right wow it's like you've got like that so the company is like taking care of the management the development and nurturing as well as um setting up um concerts as well as distributing yeah, yeah, yeah. distribute distribution as well and i guess like the a and r and like the business development of of live nation is fantastic like we've got some really great promoters that will come up with new fun concepts they'll take people on tours that you wouldn't even think would even go on tour you know we're, we're <laughs> we've done stuff with influencers we've done stuff with authors you know we Live Nation were the only promoters that worked on the Michelle Obama book tour when she came to London and a few kind of select cities across the state. So it's that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's really like, I wish I could tell you all the stuff we have in the pipeline, but it's really, really fun. Like 2021, (laughs) 22 is going to be a wild year. There's going to be so many people in and out of the country. It's going to be really, really good. So, um, yeah. And, And who knows, guys? Like, I feel like, this pod needs to eventually enter the live realm. So, like, you guys should definitely... Oh, Mo, don't up. even get us started. If you were a fly really on the wall... It's going to be, like, really beautifully lit and, like, everyone, like, ticket price is going to be insanely <laughs> higher, but I'm here for <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell I you what, in, in the, this podcast, as you're probably aware, like, listening in to the episodes is built on the spirit of emergence and we understand that it's it evolves through conversations and ideas like this with with guests and with listeners and audience members as well as ourselves. um and i can't help but to think we'd probably have a little conversation with you or maybe pick (laughs) your brain if you're open to that just let us know what the consultation fee is etc just in regard to that evolution because yeah i think it's it's just it's not if it's it's when isn't it yeah, I just so I much. only take fifty percent fee and then a cut on all your merch. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the merch, yeah. Okay, just the yeah. merch. <laughs> no, guys, you should do it. I, and I think like, and this is the interesting thing, right? With everyone emerging out of lockdown globally, I think there's going to be a different like level of appetite. Like, I'm not watching Netflix or Amazon yeah. Prime anymore because I've I've watched everything on there. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. back, but like when I'm back, like when we're all back, like I want to yeah. enjoy like my favorite pods or like whatever I'm consuming, like in the real. And I yeah. think that's going to be a really exciting space to be a part uh, be a part of. Mm. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so it's crazy. Afforded... Go go sorry, sorry go. On, I said I was gonna. No. I, I was going to say, like, I think it's afforded a lot of creatives opportunities that they perhaps wouldn't have had without COVID, you know, like 
yeah. even like little things. Like if I am a local UK artist and I'm really desperate to get on one of the big late night talk shows that are usually booked up with Hollywood actors and actresses and like big A-list names, all of a sudden I'm afforded the opportunity to have a have a you know a go at being pitched pitched there all of a sudden and potentially being booked and being given the platform because of mm. covid and because of all those things so mm. i'm really excited to see what emerges from the space like content creativity art wise but also all the kind of new professionals that you guys have said like the whole freelance world and how people mm. are working and kind of uh, you know seeing new names pop out there i think it'll be a really great great playground for all and i think there's room for everyone 100 percent Mm. that's brilliant that's exciting that really does energize us like in our meetings we've been talking about potential things we literally have to put a cap on it mo because it just gets ridiculous <laughs> we're like rain, rain, rain it back in guys keep chipping away rain it back you guys, in. Like, you guys definitely need merch 100 percent. where is the oh merch? my god like oh, next time where is the like, Aaron and next time i take you guys <laughs> in with me like with to tesco's or like a supermarket in my ears i want to have the tote bag you know I want to be putting my coriander. Oh, in oh, <laughs> oh gosh, is that so funny? Because we literally had we had a meeting at twelve earlier before we jumped on with you, Mo. And yeah, that was about a bunch of different things. So, and it's so funny, even Ruben. So, just to give you some context of what Ruben just said, when we say we have to stop ourselves, Ruben starts these convos with, <laughs> I, "I hate myself, but <laughs> just to stop and limit his creativity." Um, yeah. But yeah yeah that's the that but listen we're we're um we're literally bang on an hour amazing um and i mean aaron and almas have you guys got any more questions no i'm just energized by hearing about yeah. like i'm glad that you mo also feel the um I mean, Ruben said it about a month ago is like i can feel outside opening up like i can feel like the spring yeah. energy and I'm really excited for what the world of creativity and tech is going to look like moving forward. And I'm really excited to be part of um, the world, like leaning into the arts more as yeah. a trade, as a business, as a way of life. Um, and you saying this last bit here has just affirmed that for me. So thank you so much. Oh no, absolutely. And like, you got to remember as well, like the music industry and the film industry, like they are multi-billion pound industries in the UK. Mm. Like music is one of our biggest exports here and we do it really well. So I'm really excited to go back out and live life to the fullest and appreciate, you know, every little moment, you know, that I can be together mm. with colleagues and friends and being at our favorite show and kind of, you know, all those kind of things. And yeah, I think it'll be really nice. It'll be like almost like a renaissance, you know? It'll be like the energy will be up. Everyone will have like, you know, a bit more of a better attitude towards life and, you know, won't be grinding yeah. and, and eating wasabi on the on the train, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, from Liverpool Street, don't even. Uh, I just <laughs> don't understand. Like, I, do you know what? I've, here's the thing. I'll, I'll only ever go as far as having like a chocolate bar on the train, but people will have <laughs> There's no space. Now, sometimes it's got to be done, you know. <laughs> no, sometimes it's late at night. It's you've finished, you're getting home. It's the last train, and you've got just about enough time to grab a Cornish pasty or McDonald's or a. Uh, well, I'm trying to think about now. what's actually at Liverpool Street. It's you need to get. One. You need to get off the train and get in an Uber there. 
No, man. Uh, listen, I'm gonna have to push. I'm gonna have to push back on that, Mo. Like, I'm, so, I'm saying embrace you your humanity. Mutton curry with your hands, is it? Really? Yeah, that's it, man. Like. I don't know if we mentioned this on a past pod, but back in the day, and my mum denies this up to now, but she took us to the cinema in Barking. I think it was an Odeon. And yeah. instead of um, getting popcorn, she didn't allow us to buy popcorn. She actually took out um, rice and curry. I love gave that. It to oh, wow. What is this, oh. what is this behavior? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're all partial to a chutney sandwich in the cinema. Let's not, let's not, you know. True, <laughs> true. Let's run that. I, I think, Mo, before you go, I've, I've got um, two things. So first was a question, and then I think it's a final thought from me. Not yeah. that that's a thing. Final thought from Ruben, but right now I guess it is. <laughs> um, do, you, do you have any advice for new artists or, or just current artists in regard to who usually make their living off live mm. performances yeah. um, coming out of the lockdown as we embrace... That's a good question. Yeah, live spaces yeah. again. I think my big thing is get yourself organized, right? Like, even if you're operating with or without an agent, have all your assets ready, have, like, great content that's going to service your audience because when we open up, competition is going to be tough it's going to be you know mm. people are going to be wanting to go to everything and anything they possibly can so be organized <laughs> have like all your tools ready and when i mean tool like your marketing your pr tools don't be afraid to collaborate i'm a massive believer of if you don't ask you don't get like 100 and it's worked for me almost like 90 percent of the time like if you don't ask you don't get so like be bullish if you want to ask for things ask for it hustle your venue hustle your if you've got a fan club, like hustle the leader of the fan club and get them involved. Like really oh, wow. like, That's lay great. down like a lay down like your network and who are gonna be you know, I guess identify your stakeholders and see how you can use them to your advantage and how they're gonna service mm. you and then ultimately how you service them back as well. Ooh. So yeah. That's great advice. That's Just so have angry. it together, guys. We've had two years off now. There's no excuses. It's so true. It's You've so had enough it. time to think and reflect. You've had enough time to organize that, you know, that folder that you keep dropping everything in. Just like, come on. Yeah, mm. it's true, man. And I, I think I'm think... seeing no old press shots from like 2017. <laughs> oh, take... If there's one take I home, you're speaking from directly today... to me, mate. Yeah, take new press shots. Yeah, take, take new them. press shots. Especially in spring, because light, lighting is really good in the daytime in spring. Like, we love a good, a well-lit photo. But, yeah, use it to everyone's advantage. Yeah. I, I, I must say, throughout the whole interview, as much as I've been present, a part of my brain has been processing your story about the artist in a suitcase. And where, and where, and where I... Do, and the question that I will leave the audience with is, or the conundrum is, <laughs> she's massive in terms of global talent, but small yeah. enough to fit in a suitcase. I yeah. think, you know what I mean? I've got loads of ideas of who and this being, can be. And being like a full, and be in a full hawk couture gown situation in the suitcase. So oh, like wow. Petite, oh, there we go. We know who it is already. We know who it is. We know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you, Mo, so much for coming on. It's no, been an absolute so much, pleasure just chopping it up it's with you. Amazing. Your energy is beautiful. And yeah, and we're definitely going to stay in contact. You are now part of the fan. Uh, no, thank you, guys. And I appreciate it and, and love every minute. Thank you. Lovely. Cheers. Bye. What is this behavior?
Okay, let's let's just first get this out of the way. I know I'm not the only one that's sitting there trying to work out who on earth is inside that suitcase. So Mo didn't tell us, right? Even at the end, even up to now, he hasn't told us. But I would hazard a guess and say that it's someone that sounds like what I've just created to be a Cockney greeting of well-being. So imagine I'm a Cockney geezer. I'm a Cockney geezer. I've just left the house party. I love everyone in the house party. I look at them and I say, have you all a grand day? Everyone in here, have you all a grand day? Have a great day. That's as far as I'm going to go with it. Don't know if I'm right. Maybe we'll never know. Which is, oh, it's sad. No closure, isn't it? But there you go. That's my guess, man. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening in to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you gained some insight and maybe even some trivia. If this isn't your industry, some trivia that you can share with someone else. And if you are interested in getting into PR, I think there's a lot that Mo shared with us. You know, there's so many different spaces within PR that you could work in. Um, so many different ways to approach it. So, uh, yeah, maybe some food for thought. Now, if you want to follow Fodo, you can definitely go Fodo Mo if you want. But also, if you want to follow him as opposed to Fodo him, you can also do that <laughs> on LinkedIn. It's his full name if you want to connect professionally. And I think that's the only way you should connect, really, because he's married. And you know what I mean? As Almas likes to say, consent is sexy. So <laughs> keep it professional, my cheese. Um, on LinkedIn, it's Mohammed Kazelbash, spelled M-O-H-A-M-M-A-D. Second name, Q-A-Z-A-L-B-A-S-H. And on the gram, it's M-O-Q-A-Z-A-L-B-A-S-H. Now, I'm not too sure if Mo's going to accept everyone. I have no idea. But I know he's an extremely busy man, so maybe don't be upset if he doesn't. But um, he's doing good work uh, for the cause, so <laughs> that's a plus. Now, if you want to stay up to date with us, this podcast, and what is going on, of course you can do that. We would absolutely love that. On Instagram, we are at What Is This Behavior Podcast. On Twitter, we are at WITB underscore podcast. And if you want to do a bit more of a deep dive into the podcast, into our why, and learn a little bit more about us as hosts, myself, Aaron, and Almas, you can check out our website. It's www.whatisthisbehaviorpodcast.com and it's probably going to be a space where we'll be putting a lot more updates and a lot more bits and bobs that we'll be doing moving forward so maybe get familiar with that because yeah it's going to be a regular thing and before i go if you do listen to us on apple Podcasts, it will be so so helpful if you guys could rate the podcast on there with that little star thing um whatever resonates with you put it down unless it's one star then you know what i mean <laughs> Keep your bad vibes to yourself, man. Because <laughs> basically, by rating us, you actually help us. It pushes up the algorithm or the algorithm pushes us up, I think, or it just gets us out there. Yeah, You know what I'm talking about. It's very, very helpful. Anyway, much love to you all. Keep going against the grain. If you're not absolutely fine, maybe start thinking about it and just maybe tell some people about the pod. Love is love. Have a good week. Peace. What is this behavior? Do you want it? You're dying for it.